Alright, let's see. I'm trying those Tozo NC7 earbuds. They just arrived in the mail today. They've got um, a noise cancelling feature and waterproof. Yeah, so, but Tozo. NC7, $65, include the postage. And there's other varieties that were slightly dearer, more expensive, um, and you get more charge out of the little case. But when I compared them all, it said that the NC7s for all round sound were better. Excuse that noise in the background, the air conditioner going there. But, um, close to it. So, yeah, apparently they're good anyway. I was just inspired by Carl Barron, who's an Australian comedian. He was talking about, um, about, you know, responsible service of alcohol and how. You can't, you know, get a drink at the bar anymore if you're, you know, intoxicated. It's been like that for a while. The old RSA, the Responsible Service of Alcohol, been like that for some time. But, um, yeah, um, how things have changed. But he's Carl's, um, you know, the way that he delivers... Um, you know his version of events from years gone by when, when he was younger and, and I'm guessing that we're around about the same age Carl and I so he's an ex-gen and he's just saying now you know they'd still serve you at the bar unless you're just an a-hole or you would you know you had a reputation been nasty or you you'd hurt people or you'd you know you'd abuse people then they'd cut you off and I know, and I can speak from first hand experience right because I worked in a few bars and, um you know I, I, I kind of ran one bar there uh, for a while I was responsible for that I used to balance the safe and count the tills and do all that. I never did the rostering or any of that stuff but I used, was responsible for it, you know, things there when um, the owner and the licensee and the owner were away I'd, you know, be the one and um, some of the stuff some of the stories that I could tell you some of the things that I'd say um, number of bars that I worked and there were several and even as a customer but or as a patron and you know you'd be that that out of it usually we we if you were drinking at your local and they knew you you'd get away with a bit more but you know unless you became obnoxious or you know your your behavior deteriorated to the point where 
they were looking at, they'd look out for her. They wouldn't just keep serving her until, you know, something bad happened. Often, most of the people working behind the bar, you know, would exercise some, um, you know, some level of intelligence and, you know, make sure that you're, you're okay or your mates with your friends and people that you're with. And I'd done that a few times too, used to make sure people got home, things like that. Um, you know, we won't talk about the, the nasty uh, occasions that often would occur, but just being that inebriated, you know. And I remember being like, well, until I worked in a hotel, before that, I never really had a problem. Um, you know, I never felt uncomfortable about being that person that, you know, just got drunk and just, you know, you didn't care if you were with your friends. You didn't really care, but you would... After I'd worked in a hotel for a while, like, you started to see things that kind of made you think about, you know, life and because most of the people it was quite their existence was quite sad. They quite literally all just revolved around the bar, the hotel, because they didn't have much of a home life and that was probably brought about by hanging around the bar. You know, so it was kind of like a catch twenty two thing of damned if you do damned if you don't but if you you know, most of them just were there because they were lonely as well, you know, and, and I, I guess there's other things that you could do, you know, uh, other, um, you know, interests that you could um, immerse yourself in without just burn that person that drank at the bar, you know, almost every, every day. But a lot of them were there because it was social, you know, and they'd play some snooker and, um, you know, have beers and chat. Some would stay for hours, some would just have a couple and go home because they had other responsibilities. But the people that were there, like on a regular basis, um, yeah, some of their lives were pretty sad, but you know, it's their choice. So, anyway, so the old RSA laws come in and change the dynamics. Uh, you know, dramatically, and um, you know, people are still getting messed up. People are still dying. Or relationships are still failing. People are still, you know, drinking themselves into a stupor. They'll just have whatever they can have at the bar until they get cut off or something. Some of them will plan ahead and buy alcohol in advance and take it with them when they go. But most uh, publicans and bar managers and hoteliers and that, the people in charge of those establishments are, you know, following the, the licensing rules and regulations. Um, it's the, the registered clubs that are, you know, harder to please, you could say, or to um, avoid, you know, uh, um, 
you know, retribution or being cut off quite early. I remember one night a group of us went into Newcastle and we hadn't even been into one establishment, not, not one, had, hadn't even had a drink. And we rocked up at this place, I think it was Finnegan's, <laughs> and one of the guys, they wouldn't let him, they wouldn't let him in. Um, they wouldn't let him in because he was so animated and so, you know, he was um, really had a high energy and, and he was fine though. There was no drugs, there was no, you know, alcohol or anything like that. He was just, but they uh, stopped him. I didn't let him in, so that, oh, then the rest of us couldn't go in there, but, you know, we didn't hate him for it, but it was kind of disappointing, though, but, like, yeah, and then I remember on another occasion, a different guy, some years later, um, he was a screaming alcoholic, this guy, and we'd, we'd gone to see a show, and, and after the show, you know, we'd hang around and have a couple more drinks. Well, this guy had a hop, he had a, a damaged leg, which caused him to walk like he like he was drunk but he was but you you would you you wouldn't be able to tell because he just did it every day and he just pulled it off and you would you wouldn't even know when he was sober because not many people seen him sober so it was like another guy that i lived with when you know like uh you know 18 9 17 18 19 year old and we shared a house and he was always staying and, um, and he used to always turn up the work stone so they didn't know because they'd never seen him straight. But he was always, so he was always staying, so it was like this bloke. He was always drunk. And, but nobody knew because he just pulled it off. He just could do it. Um, he could work, he could function, but he drank from when he woke up until he fell asleep every day. And, um, yeah, and I'd seen him in uh, you know, that state on many occasions. So, yeah, this night... He was hopping, you know, walking along with that walk that he had because of his damaged leg. And security had gone, mate, um, you have to leave because you've had too much to drink. And he had, but, you, but it wasn't because he was slurring or he was, you know, being obnoxious or abusive or trying to hurt somebody. It's just that walk that he had. And we were all just sort of laughing amongst ourselves because um, he's, and that was in a registered club because he'd never been evicted before because um, like I said he just drank that's all he did and, um, and yeah he was uh, he was very good at what he did too in his, in his job he was also a very good drinker and he just and he wasn't a bad bloke either but yeah so and that was just funny and then um that, that friend of ours, we, we couldn't get into the Finnegan's nightclub there in Newcastle one night because he was just so animated and upbeat. He had a lot of energy. And there was there was no drugs and no alcohol involved at all at any stage in the lead-up to us trying to enter that establishment. But they just said, no, no, there's something wrong with him. And we're like, whoops, because we'd all been together well, that afternoon. And we all knew each other pretty well, like really well, like we were pretty close. So that was disappointing, but hilarious also. So I think we just went, we ended up going somewhere else. 
Because in Newcastle, you can just walk from one place to another. So yeah, we ended up somewhere else. But I'd been in there, oh, I don't know, 2009, 2008, 2008, that drunk. Um, you know, I just, I don't even remember most of the time in there. And like another place that we went to, same group of people uh, in Maitland, and we were just we were that drunk. Just took days after to remember, you know, what had taken place. So whenever we bumped into each other days after the event, people were just going, oh, "I remember what," and, the, and you sort of like couldn't, but eventually your memory would, you know, would drop. Something would drop, and you'd remember what happened. Some of the fun, you know, but like, yeah, again, you know, we were all looking out for each other. You know, nobody died, nobody got hurt, you know, or you might have lost an eyebrow. Like, if you had fallen asleep and at a party, you were the first one to, to pass out or something, and you know, someone might draw on you with some lipstick or, or a permanent marker, or they might shave an eyebrow or, or dress you up or do something, but nobody hurt anybody so you know things have changed though um, you know attitudes and uh, you know, rules and regulations and that but just listening to Carl Barron explaining how it was when he was younger and you know and, and, and you know demonstrating walking from his group of mates to the bar yahooing and yelling out and carrying it on and I mean you could get away with that in some places and they'd just come over and say, hey, just keep it down. Because most of the time, like I said, if you're drinking your local, they knew who you were. They'd you know, cut you some slack. And they knew, often they knew, you know, that they could um, redirect you or they could, you know. But if, if you got to the point where it was too much and you were disturbing the other patrons and that, then you'd be just told you needed to go home and they'd get you a cab or somebody would take you home, you know, like that. Generally, you know, everyone's all looked after each other. So um, rarely did you hear of, like, you know, something bad that happened. Usually you were taken care of. But if you're in a strange establishment, you know, they don't care, they don't know you. They just put you outside and you're left to your own. Well, I think I've also mentioned the fact that, you know, I've provided... Um, first aid um, at a few music festivals over the years and I, I've seen some pretty scary stuff and I shared some of that on some other podcasts but um, you know I think um, you know you've got to be careful what you know where, where, where if you have a responsibility it's all good to, to laugh at what was and how it was some of those situations and that you've been involved in and some of the events and things like that I mean some of the stuff that I've seen some of the things that we've done I remember one night you know I was running the bar it was I think it was a Sunday afternoon or something and it was late and we'd usually lock up and there'd just be a couple of us in there and the boss would say to me, you know, hang around a, a bit longer and serve us some beers and I'll get some pizza and we'll play some pool and, you know, I'll, I'll feed you and, and you can have a few beers and hang out with us. 
So often I would, you know, do that. And sometimes it would just be me locking up a little bit early because it got quiet and a couple of the real regular locals, you would just leave them there to have a few while you're out the back counting. And you'd just come and serve them when they'd call you. They'd go, oh, yeah, you go. You'd go out and you'd pour them another bin and you'd go back and you'd finish doing the, the admin. And then I think this time a, a couple of chicks came knocking on, on the door and it was like, you know, we'd say, no, we're closed, you know, we're, we're closing here, you can't come in. But, but they wanted to come in. <laughs> they were persistent, so anyway, we let them in. And they, and they were already drunk. This is in the early 90s, the mid-90s, so they were already drunk. So they've come in and, um, you know, the boys, some of the boys that I played rugby with, and um, big strapping lads and that, and one of them looked like a former Knights player, like called Paul Marquette. I think this guy's name was Paul himself, that was his, his actual name, but one of the girls said, oh, yeah, Newcastle Knights player, and it was hilarious. And um, so he sort of like, you know, took it on, and um, we ended up signing beer coasters, you know, which you sit your beer on, or you used to, a little cardboard thing often with a advertising of, of a local business on it. Um, or, you know, a beer that, you know, they sold at the bar and you t one side was clear and the other side had the, the label or the brand on it and you'd turn it over onto the clear side and you and these girls wanted signatures. So then all of a sudden, I think there was probably about four or five of us there, we all assumed a, a, a name of a player from the Knights that we may have closely resembled. It was just hilarious. And legit, these chicks thought that they were, some of the guys were Newcastle Knights players. So that was really quite hilarious. Um, yeah, some of the stuff, oh, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Some of the things that I've seen, witnessed, um, uh, as a, you know, as somebody that was in charge <laughs> of the establishment. So it was um, um, probably some of the best stuff that I've seen was when I was on the, the business side of the bar, not on the patron side. Um, yeah, some of the best stuff I've seen. And um, I'll, I'll continue to, to knock up a few podcasts um, with those memories from those, those times um, and I'll, I'll try to um, uh, get, a, get a bit of comedy get going on in there, but oh, some of the things I probably shouldn't repeat, but you know what, it'll make good listening, and you know what, I know, I've got a lot of friends out there that, um, you know, may, uh, you know, be able to add to the story or um, straighten some of them up because my recollection may not be as accurate or I might have missed a part because maybe I had one too many that evening as well and that would sometimes happen at the end of the night when I locked up and you know it was time to go home and then a few of them would just be going come on let's go we're going we're going somewhere for a couple of drinks and you'd end up 
there with them and um, yeah, I, oh, some of the some of the some of the stories, some of the the things that we got up to. Oh, but yeah, they were good times and um, yeah, but Carl Barron sort of inspired me to um, to share you know some of those memories with you. So we'll um, yeah, there'll be more. So I'll uh, I'll put this in a, a separate um, segment or episode of its own. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but yeah, I've I've got more stories to tell. Alright, what do you reckon, social distances? What do you all reckon? Give me a second. It's going to pop something up here. Wait here. I'm after a picture. There's some um, information on it. I was just into. What do I do with that? Where'd that go? Facebook. Here we go. So, is that recording? Yeah, it still is good. So, 2GB is an Australian radio station. 87. What's 873, is it? AM? Anyway, um, on the same day 17 people died in New South Wales of coronavirus, 136 Australians died of cancer. Serious health issues have been neglected because of our one track mind. With COVID 19, a virus with a death rate of, you know, 0.1%. Ben Fordham. Ben Fordham. Let's quote him on that, right? Okay, really. So, here we are. You know, what's the, the toxic media uh, captivating and influencing and manipulating their subscribers, their audience, and the majority of which are people that don't ask too many questions about many things in life, they just do what they're told, they just go, yep, they're told that's blue and that's blue and they're told that they need to go over and stand over there and I'll get this and that's, that's what people do, so sad really, but that's the, uh, you know, um, that's the world we live in, so I was um, re- reading a friend's post earlier on today and that Ben Fordham says, I think we're due for a dose of perspective. I can feel the mood at the moment. Everyone can do with a bit of positivity. And frankly, some of the alarmism about coronavirus viruses are over the top. Yes, we know it's not to be ignored. And I've always, and this is me, so I'm not quoting Ben at the moment. I've said the same thing, it's a thing. Do what you need to do for yourself, protect yourself, right? So let's get back to Ben. He goes, yes, we know it's not to be ignored. We know we have to get vaccinated and take precautions. But we're sick of the doomsday predictions. New South Wales is not in, in a crisis. We're not in lockdown. We are learning to live with the virus. Some people have short memories. Vaccines were, were our ticket to freedom. Our leaders promised we would get back to get our lives back if we got the jab. Restrictions were supposed to ease at 80% double dose. Um, New South Wales is now at almost 95%. But it seems some people 
want the goalposts move moved again. That's that's right. That's me talking. About. So well, that's up to them. But I'm very keen to move on with my life. The whole point of the vaccine was to treat COVID like the flu. Yep, 100%. That's me talking. Back to Ben. Case numbers are meant to now be irrelevant. What really matters is hospitalisations and intensive care. Right now there are 339,000 people with coronavirus in New South Wales. More than 99% are mild enough to be treated from home. The vaccines work. Omicron is highly contagious but is the mildest strain of COVID yet. Up to five times weaker than the Delta. I've said this before based on facts that have been, you know, thrown at us from um, the government health authorities. We spoke to the South African doctor who discovered Omicron in November. Dr. Angelique Kortese, I don't know, I can't pronounce it, described Omicron as very mild with a low chance of hospitalisation, even in the vaccinated. She told us that on day one. In New South Wales, your chances of dying from coronavirus is 0.1%. The odds of going to hospital is 0.8%. The odds of ending up in intensive care is 0.05%. And our obsession with COVID has seen us lose sight of far more sinister diseases. I've said this before too. There's new data out from the Bureau of Statistics. Last year, between January and October, 125,000 Australians passed away. 125,000 Australians passed away between January and October last year. Coronavirus represented just 1.3% of our deaths. 1,671 in total. Almost 75% of our COVID victims had underlying health issues. But in the same period, that COVID killed 1,671. 41,000 Australians from, died from cancer, 13,000 from dementia and Alzheimer's, 11,600 from heart disease, 7,000 from strokes and brain aneurysms, 4,000 from diabetes, 2,500 from suicide, 1,800 from drug overdoses and almost 2,000 from accidental falls. Or to break it down even further, yesterday New South Wales Health reported the death of 17 people with coronavirus. Again, absolutely tragic for the families of those who died. But here's the reality check. On the same day, 17 people died from coronavirus in New South Wales and estimated 136 Australians died of cancer. There are serious health issues that have been neglected because of our one-track mind about COVID. The disease, or a disease, with a death rate in Australia of 0.1%. There you go. It's Ben Fordham's um, delivery and on, you know, the facts that he's gathered. And I support it 100%. Just feel you need to, get jabbed, get boosted if you feel you need to, and let's just get on with it. Have a good day. Oh, what's going on? Social distances. Um, so, obviously, this episode's known as... Um, I need to go. Known as... 
uh, you know, before the rules ruined our fun. And um, I had no idea, you know, what I was going to knock out this morning in terms of a podcast because I just did one touching on the 90s, um, kind of feeling my way through the 90s because I, I, I kind of got stuck in the in the 80s there and I could um, keep continue on with the 80s for, you know, probably a couple of months, which is just crazy. So, you know, if you haven't already checked that out about tunes that define you, you know, about music that, uh, you know, was um, significant, uh, you know, through your life or through a certain period of your life, um, you know, tunes, you know, um, you know artists, performers, whatever. Um, so, uh, talking about, you know, the, the fun um, that, you know, all, one moment, you, you know, life's great and you're having a good time and there's lots of interesting stuff happening even you know when you become a parent or you get bogged down with you with your work or you know um uh, you're, you've entered into a new relationship and you know everything's like um you know great and fantastic even as a parent yes um but you know the rules that uh you know i've got a friend who says you know, more rules than a bowling club. And in Australia, a bowling club is like a registered club or facility where people go and drink and gamble and, and eat and, and socialise and listen to music. Um, and we have other clubs like RSL clubs, which are like a return services league. So people, you know, that um, they're established, you know, for people that, uh, you know, um, serve the military in different conflicts and where that you know, place where they would gather and that's turned into like a massive huge thing um, you know we've got leagues clubs so sporting clubs sport and recreation clubs and <clears throat> things like that so um, and there's rules you know like you've got to have a certain dress code like going into a, some nightclubs you know you've got to have a certain dress code you know what footwear and wear a certain attire and have certain behaviours and, and, you know, you're not allowed to be, you know, intoxicated or inebriated, you know, to the point where you become a risk to yourself, to patrons, you know, to the public. So, um, yeah, there's a, a, a phrase that we use called, you know, they've got more rules than a bowling club. It, when we're referring to somebody or, you know, some, some organisation or some um, thing that the government want us to do or... So, you know, my mate will say, oh, geez, they've got more rules than a bowling club and it, it's funny at the time. So, yeah, the rules that have kind of ruined our fun and some of them, you know, were put there to protect us and, the, and others, you know, the public... But some of them were just put there to, um, uh, you know, to um, uh, protect more than just um, individuals or, you know, hang on, I've got, to, I've got to chuck stopping and reversing into someone's driveway, I think, up here. It's kind of stopped the traffic a bit. I'm already running late, but, yeah, so, well, I just have a sip on my coffee. 
So the rules, all right. Let me go right back to my earliest memories, all right. We'll start there. Giving away the COVID situation and all of that. Some of that um, nonsense that's really gone, you know, beyond what is, um, you know, uh, you know what required. It's, you know, um, some of it's um, relevant and, and needed, and some of it's like too much. So I'll go back to my oldest memories: fireworks, firecrackers, whatever you want to call them, whatever you call them in your culture. Fireworks. When I was a kid, you could go to the local shop, uh, general store, wherever you purchased, or pretty much anywhere. But I don't, I don't even know what the regulations were for selling fireworks back in the day. But you could get them at the local milk bar. Like the, we had this shop where you go and buy your fish and chips and buy lollies like candy. And you got the bread and milk from there, and um, and so you, you would go in there and you could buy, you know, whatever money you had, or you know, you might be with some mates and you you put your money together and and you'd buy some throwdowns, right? These these little uh, red rounds cylinder, you know, things that um, oh. Can I say what? What were they? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, you just you threw them on the ground and they went bang, right? They were interesting. But then there was the Roman candles, the ball shooters, a, a long cylinder tube like a big straw, oversized straw that had balls in it, and when you lit it up, the ball shot out like you were shooting a, a gun. <laughs> And you, we used to shoot each other with them, and it was just uh, a little bit crazy. But yeah, that's what we did. And um, and um, I remember some of the kids shooting them back into the shop that I bought them from, which was dumb. That, that was dumb because you know you don't upset or piss off the um, the shopkeepers. You know the people that are working in those places that are selling you the the, the fun that you're having. So anyway, um. And then, you know, I guess, you know, the amount of injuries as a result of um, those being played with that were, um, that were, should have been, you know, under adult supervision. Well, you know, that's questionable too, isn't it? Because <laughs> just because you're an adult doesn't mean make you responsible. But, um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, then they changed that. So you just couldn't buy them anymore. But you could travel to Canberra, which is our national capital, um, the ACT, Australian Capital Territory. Canberra, where all the pollies and that do their shit. And um, you could buy them there, but you had to sign a declaration. This was the last time I was there and purchased them, which was in the early 2000s. Um, you could buy them. Uh, purchased them, but you had to sign a declaration that you were leaving um, the, the capital within, you know, eight hours or something, right? Or 24 hours, whatever. So, yeah, so now you, you can't purchase them, but, but there are people um, that go down there, and I don't know if this is still happening, 
but you know, um, a few years ago even, and it would have been in the last 10 years easily, um, there was a guy driving around called Mr. Whizbang in a van, and he had um, fireworks, so I locked up in, um, you know, big steel toolboxes with, with, with locks on them, and he used to drive around uh, the industri- through the industrial area selling, um, you know, the his wares, so... Yeah, but other than that, kind of a black market thing. But other than that, you couldn't just, you can't just, um, um, you know, go into a shop and buy them. You haven't been able to do that for a long time. The other thing, cigarettes. When I was a kid, Mr. Whippy, the ice cream soft serve guy that drove around in the van playing the song Green Sleeves, um, you could buy a packet of cigarettes. I remember black and whites, 70 cents. Um, then they made it, you had to be 18. So I can't remember when that was, but there's another. I mean, okay, cigarettes, we know they're bad for you, you know, really. Um, but again, they're there and it's a choice. And, you know, um, the government did it, I, I guess, because they, a lot of noise was being made by, you know, groups that, um, you know, it probably, um, you know, well, clearly speaking on behalf of others, um, including themselves, uh, you know, so fair enough. But, yeah, there's another one that they changed. But I remember back in the day, you know, we, um, you could run out to the Mr. Whippy when he was driving up your street. Your mum would send you out with the money and you'd go and buy a packet of cigarettes, or your dad or whoever would, you'd go out and you'd buy a packet of cigarettes and the, the whippy guy wouldn't even think twice about it. You just get your smokes and off you went. So you know we were buying packets of black and white for seventy cent. They were disgusting. Oh, the cheaper, cheap ass cigarettes of the day, and hiding behind the shed and sharing a smoke, seeing how many puffs we could get out of or drawers we could get out of one cigarette. Um, yeah, they were good times. And you know, I'm smoking by the time I'm I'm, I'm thirteen and a half. I'm, I'm smoking, you know, my mum found um, cigarettes taped up underneath my uh, tall boy, underneath one of the drawers of my tall boy, um, and I remember, and then um, I, I think um, my stepdad at the time, uh, I think my sister may have been involved as well, made us smoke one of them cigar, cigar, and I smoked the one that I was given, plus the rest of my sister's. <laughs> Because she, yeah. But see, that started for me when I was about seven. I remember my grandfather, he was smoked Champion Ruby or Log Cabin or something. And I used to, he taught, I, I, I was curious. So I learned to roll cigarettes. So I'd roll my pop cigarettes. So I was kind of like having a puff from a really young age with him on the sneak, sneakily. But, um, you know, I wasn't really doing the drawback until I was like about 11 or 12. So... Yeah, and then I think I smoked from then off and on until I was, you know, my first, my second born, um, which was like 26 years ago. So I haven't had a cigarette since 26 years, and I'm 53. So you know, um, yeah, so yeah, but you know, so the real change there isn't, you know, about fun, but it kind of, you know, that innocence, you know, from when you were younger, and it's like. You'd be at the par at a party, New Year's Eve party, or an engagement party, or a wedding, 
and you're a kid and you're always trying to sneak a drink, you know, because you, the adults were doing it and you were curious. So you'd probably hide under the drinks table and be, you know, or, or one of the other adults that, you know, thought, uh, you know, that it was okay for them to sneak you a, you go and have a sip of that young fella, you know, that type of stuff going on. Oh, just growing up, you know, like being a kid and um, that, you know, but they, we know, you know, that, that they can turn into other things, um, other issues you can develop, you know, um, in your adolescence and, you know, through your teenage years and that. Um, you know, we, we see you marketing and advertisement all the time about it. Anyway, let's move on to the next real change. Drink driving. That's a big one though, right? But drink driving, okay? So this all changed when I was probably about 14. So we're talking about 40 years ago. Not sure. I haven't Googled it, but I just remember around that time when I was living with my father and he used to drink drive and uh, it was pretty common. Um, and I don't know what the stats were back then, right? But, again, you know, uh, authorities, um, you know, sorting things out, you know, to protect the public and whatnot, but also, you know, a revenue grab. They all are, and it is what it is, it, really, you know. But some of you might be calling me a dickhead right now, but I'm looking at it from all angles, you know, like, really, you have to think about it get on to the next one we've got mobile phones right on your phone while you're driving not good but major revenue grab surprised they didn't do it sooner seriously mobile phones have been around since the early 90s you know like affordable you know for everybody but um you know before that it was like a size of a freaking car battery and you carried it around like a suitcase but Really, um, yeah, the drink drive and the breathalyzer thing. Um, RBT random breath test. Um, yeah, I just remember that that changed the game, you know. And then, um, you know, you could, from there you could talk about responsible service of alcohol, which didn't come for years later though. Um, where people were trained who worked, you know, either as security or, um, you know, were serving drinks, um, you know, they would um, be the ones that would determine if you were intoxicated. And, and even today, uh, you know, people are still getting that, that drunk that, you know, you wonder, you know, really, that rule is kind of, you know, responsible service of alcohol, I don't know. What about the responsible conduct of gambling? <laughs> you know, like, where does that, you know, where are the people that, no, oh, no, mate, no, no, you've gambled too much. You know, like, there's just a rule for everything. But there's not people walking around doing that. You're the one, you're responsible. And there's helplines and all that stuff, but there's not people running around, you know, checking your, your bank account um, or monitoring you while you're having a pun on the horses or the greyhounds or whether you're, you know, on the sport, on the poker machines, in the casino. So, you know, 
because it's big business. And the government makes money on that, as they do on cigarettes, as they do on alcohol. Um, you know, they've got their taxes cover everything. Um, so, yeah, you kind of like, uh, you know, too many rules. No wonder people pack up their shit, throw their arms up in the air and go, hey, Lego, and go off to some, you know, off-grid and just live life, you know, um, out of, you know, away from mainstream insanity. So what else have we got? What other rules have been implemented that, you know, it's spoiling our fun, in inverted commas? You know, like, um, oh, there's so many. Uh, um, but, you know, we, when we're talking about cigarettes, alcohol, um, you know, driving um, on your phone while you're driving, which isn't good. But you think about it, just about every single human on the planet pretty much would have a mobile phone. Right, there wouldn't be many people that don't have one. Right? Really. Some have got two. So, you know, and other devices. Um, so, what's going on with that? You know? Uh, that's mad, mad revenue grab. And then these cameras they've got set up and oh, don't get me started on that. that that'll be a topic for another time I guess but you know um, where they're on swooping bends dips you know um, blind corners um, you know the top of a hill that, that's on a blind corner you know and you know they're not set up in dumb, in black spots you know um they're set up in where places where people, you know, they know these the, the revenue grabbing clowns that set these up. They know statistically. They know where people may accelerate. You know where you've just come from a set of traffic lights and you hit like an incline. There's a bit of a hill. They know, and you know what times of the day that people are going to be. Oh, I've got to get home you know, from work and they're kind of like maybe rushing more than they would. They know the day, what what, what days, what time, you know, and where, location. And it's quite, uh, really, it's it's grubby, right? And I'm talking from experience, yeah, I've been stung a few times. But when I think about the times, the location, you know, the day, the time, the location, and all that sort of stuff, you know... Even when there's an event, you know, they know. Like the people that will give you a, a parking fine. Um, some places I've been to a sporting event, they overlook it. As long as, like, you know, you're not parked somewhere, you know, that is really, uh, you know, being disrespectful or, you know, you're just being a moron. But, like, I've been to places like the Sutherland Shire to watch the Cronulla Sharks play rugby league. And people park, you know, all sorts of places there respectfully. But, and there's coppers there directing traffic, but no tickets. You go to Newcastle, watch the Newcastle Knights game, and you get a ticket. If you park at the end of a cul-de-sac, up on a bit of grass, where there's no... No, you're not interfering on anyone's driveway. You're not, you know, parking illegally in 
like somebody in a commercial space or where there are emergency vehicles need to access. It's just the end of a, a quiet street cul-de-sac, bit of grass, half a dozen cars were parked there, but the, um, you know, the traffic cops are out uh, giving tickets, you know, um, just, you know, unacceptable. It's grubby. It's a grubby tactic. It's a, it's a revenue grab, you know, so we're, while some of the rules that have been implemented are there for good reason to protect the health and well-being of the public, um, you know, many of them are really just a mad revenue grab, um, you know, or that's the direct result of the rule being implemented. So anyway, I'll, um, I'll pick this up on another occasion because there's many to discuss and, yeah, I've got my views on them um, and how they may have affected myself or other people I know. But, like, you know, you, you can't really um, avoid, you know, being detected, uh, you know, these days. Even cop cars are like a, an office on wheels, you know, with the tech they've got. They've got cameras that, and, you know, scanners and sensors, you know, that, you know, can read your number plate and it comes up on the screen if... You know, you've, um, you know, you've got an outstanding warrants or if your car's registered. And so you really got to have, be on your game, um, you know, and for the most part, you know, being a, being a law-abiding citizen. But, you know, there's no fun in just being the old straighty 180, as we say, 180 degrees straighty. You know, there's no fun in that. You know, so, yeah, but anyway, all right, that'll do for today. So, um, you know, have a good day, take care of yourselves, and um, be kind to each other. All right. Here we go. Get your head around this stuff. I've, I've made a podcast about it previously, and, um, uh, you know, to do with um, how the rules and, you know, restrictions and bloody all the other insanity that's been bestowed upon us over something that um, you know isn't is killing uh, according to stats that came from uh, other journalists you know mainstream journalists which there are a few out there that are that are um, you know sharing uh, you know things that um, are highlighting um, you know, other information that is kind of not put out there by other mainstream media platforms and or uh, power brokers, whether that's government, um, you know, at whatever level, and or um, the multinationals that are all, you know, rolling around in the money while the rest of us are all, you know, wondering if we can pay our mortgage next next week, pay our rent next week, you know, send our kids to, to school, um, you know, buying basic essentials, you know, whatever country, um, you know, or culture that you're, um, you exist in and, we, you know, you're, you're dealing with similar situations. So, it's Ben Fordham from 2GB. He's, um, 
know, brought to the attention that in the same month that 880 people in Australia had passed with the coronavirus, 4,000 Australians died from cancer, 1,300 from Alzheimer's, you know, 1,160 from heart disease, 1,100 from respiratory illness, 700 from stroke. And, um, and they say, they're saying that, and this is from the chief... Uh, medical officer or whoever that person is that's you know in charge of um, you know uh, delivering stats or sharing the information that they want us to have says Chief Health Officer Dr Kerry Chant 28 deaths from the coronavirus last week in New South Wales only 4 did not have como Bites. Right? Okay, if I pronounce that right, I don't know. I'm not sure if I pronounce that right. So, excuse me, you know, for my um, lack of familiarity with that word. Comorb- comorbidities. Alright, so these include 10 that had serious heart issues. Um, so out of those people that passed with the coronavirus, you know, 10 had serious heart issues, 7 had diabetes, 6 had kidney disease, 6 had obesity, 6 had chronic lung disease, the elderly and the vulnerable, that's end quote. But what Ben's saying is that the elderly and the vulnerable really need to be, um, you know, careful. But for the majority, coronavirus shouldn't be a source of of a crippling fear. It can no longer hold us back from living. Okay? We've sacrificed too much since all of this began. That's it, though. It's the alarmism. Alarmism. Fear-mongering. You know, but as I've mentioned in a previous podcast, and I don't think it's in this um, segment, or, or in this episode, the segment where I spoke about it, I don't know where I put that, but um, where I put that segment, but you know they're talking about you know um, uh, the stats. Uh, um, you know, you just look up Ben Fordham two GB right, and his recent um, broadcast will come up right, and it will. Um, so. Um, Ben, ben says, go on, goes on to say, you know, 160,000 Australians die each year. That's 13,300 a month. Or using the alarmist scale, that's 16 A320 planes full of people every week, right? That's how many people die in Australia each year. Around 160,000, right? So, you know, and we're talking about, um, you know, one, one, you know, plane full, well, 880 people a month, as opposed, you know, 880 a month from the, the corona, as opposed to 13,300 from other, you know, illnesses, diseases, whatever. 
I know somebody mentioned to me, oh, you know, Alzheimer's, you know, some of them aren't contagious. That's right. But, you know, it, it's, alarm, it's about alarmism. It's about the numbers, the facts, the figures. You know, yeah, yeah, cancer isn't contagious. Alzheimer's isn't con contagious. Lung disease isn't contagious. But they're still, you know, um, killing people in huge numbers, right? And we're not shutting down entire communities and, um, you know, putting restrictions on people, you know, oh, don't smoke because you'll get lung disease. You know, the, 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 they've, you know, they've made other restrictions, but they're still selling cigarettes and the government's still getting tax on that. Same with the deaths from drinking and, and you know, and the, the issues from gambling. The families that are crippled and, you know, all of those things that go on, um, you know, there's restrictions and there's little warning signs and there's helplines that you can call and people are, you know, running around with their hands in the air, you know, yelling at, ah, oh, let go. But, they, you know, they're not shutting down communities and, you know, borders and stuff. So, get your head around that, you know. Say what you want. Oh, you know, that those 880 people, you know, they shouldn't have died. Well, what about the 4,000 that died in the same month from cancer? 4,000 from a disease that's not contagious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put, you know, restrictions and made people get, you know, the jabs and you know, they made people isolate and wear masks and sanitise and all this other stuff to reduce those numbers. But they're still, like, you know, inst running with the fear campaign, you know? And, and, and people are, um, yeah, are tired of it. So, yeah, you know, go with whatever angle you want. You know, like, take out of that whatever you want and, you know, have your own narrative, have your own, um, you know, thoughts, views, um, actions, but alarmism, people, and as I've mentioned before, if they're marketing or campaigning for two years, 24-7, for over two years, marketing, hammering you, with everybody needs to go and wear, you know, Levi denim jeans, 501s or whatever, sales are going to go up. More people are going to, you know, make the effort to get into those because we've been told 24-7 for over two years. So, and I know you'll go, oh, you know what, we're not talking about the same thing. Alarmism, marketing, okay? Work it out for yourself. Stay beautiful. Alright? So yeah, check out Ben Fordham, if ever. Here I am in the rat race. Back on the rat race. Where you come off um, the link road that goes onto the old Pacific Highway. Or well, you know, it's still Pacific Highway. And you you're trying to merge and there's people just screaming up in a, in the lane where it's supposed to be 80 kilometres an hour. Like that woman there, you know, and then she's just going to pull up here at the stoplights, so, yeah, 
that worked out for it, isn't it? But they're, they're, you know, they're making it hard for you to to merge so that you can, um, you know, safely. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I could make an entire podcast out of the morons that I see on the road every day. Really, I could. But anyway, get your heads around that, beautiful people. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, eh? Mustaka, dobre utro, nihao ma, yama, top of the morning to ya, guten morgen, bonjour, bonjour, how y'all doing America, <clears throat> God bless America, standing up there, everyone's uh, protesting against man- the mandate, you know, narrative, uh, you know, uh, ideology that, you know, people are finally, um, they're the wrong people are being messed with, and people are tired um, of the nonsense, you know, dealing with what we're dealing with, and you know what, though, given the statistics, I think it's more that the people are just tired of <clears throat> being oppressed, you know, and that, that, you know, people have lost their livelihoods and all that, um, you know, that the, their lifestyle has changed, you know, beyond dramatically, so, you know, people are tired, they're enough, so they're protesting all over the world, won't be long, yeah, but, but yeah, they, they won't, they can't keep everybody down, it just won't, won't happen. So they can shut down all of the social media platforms they want that are quite literally um, that are quite literally, you know, uh, well, here we go, Zuckerberg's Facebook lost. I don't know. I think the figure was like twenty six billion. I don't know. That's a lot of money, isn't it? <clears throat> but that's the business. Apparently, he's been severely affected by TikTok. I know I spend more time on TikTok than I do on Facebook. The Americans wouldn't be liking that. And then, so you know, if you listen to the these um, so-called experts in the in the socials, and they're there and they're sitting at a, a table with their name and who they are and all that stuff, and. Um, you're not just, you know, listening to the one narrative. Say, ah, oh, top of the morning to you, to the Irish. And Australia, g'day. And I already said Yama to my um, Aboriginal friends. And um, did I miss anybody? <laughs> yeah, I think I got y'all. I think I got y'all. Uh, Russia. And, and to Russia, you know, like here... here the media's making big noise about them trying to go into um, uh, the Ukraine, I think. Uh, what country is it? But um, they're also resisting the, the, the reset. Uh, and this was an American um, expert in that field, in that area, suggesting that, you know, that Russia are just resisting what... America and England and all those power brokers and even Prince Charles's name 
was mentioned. What all these people are trying to do with, um, you know, uh, taking away your, the national sovereignty um, in relation to, you know, the, the, the we, we're talking about money, so um, that, that the banks want to control how we spend it as well. So there's, there's heaps going on. It's really deeper than what the average sheeple would be able to get their head around, even for myself, at another level. But when you um, try and understand the basic fundamentals of, of how the world works and, and who actually runs it, and where I said before, there's a great opportunity for expo- exploitation and to be taken advantage of, then they will, and it's happening. And, um, you know, I shared a couple of those things that I found on TikTok and I found on Facebook that I've shared. And, you know, I'm surprised they haven't been shut down or it hasn't been taken away. Um, but I think there's just too much of it going on now. There's, there's too many people sharing the, this um, information that, is uh, more a- accurate than what has been fed to us, uh, the lies and that, and how the media isn't covering, um, you know, things that they don't want to see spread, like, you know, the convoys going on for, you know, and, and protests going on all over the world, everywhere, they're happening everywhere, Israel, Canada, it's happening everywhere, and um, it's great, because... You know, as one of the politicians said, you know, or not politicians, but I've seen a group of people on a British um, um, morning breakfast show thing saying, you know, these politicians work for us, but they don't. That Carlin comedian um, once said, you know, that we'd be fools if we ever thought that. But, you know... In, on the surface or what we're led to believe is that the politicians work for us we pay them out of the taxes that they take from us to represent us not to govern or rule us right to to represent us but they never they don't they tell us oh you know if you vote for us we'll give you this and they get in and, and rarely do they give us what you know, their promises that they make because it's always reported that, oh, you know, they've, they've done a backflip. You know, like, really, they give us, like I said, they feed us just enough to keep us, you know, trickling along, doing what we need to do, paying our taxes, working, you know, getting along, and they just, that's what they do. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're just, we're being played all the time. But the thing is how... At what level do we want to be, you know, oppressed or, or played? And I guess you could, you know, Australia is quite literally more of a police state than most nations around the world that we identify as police states. Right? Seriously. So this isn't a, 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 a podcast or a publication about revolution or anything like that. Don't, you know, take what I'm saying out of context. You know, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is we need to just let these people know who 
who the real people are that are in control. Because those big clowns that are waving around their big fat checkbooks, you know, those big multinationals, those big, those dickheads at the top of the chain, right, at the top of the food chain, then without us, they don't have their money. They don't have their lifestyle. Who's going to build their ships that they that they piss ass around on, you know, enjoying their um, their weird ass adventures, you know? Who's going to build their ships, or who's going to give them the money so that they can pay the person that's going to build their ship, you know? Us. So they need to be very careful what they're doing because they're going to remain. They're going to stay there because that's just how it's been for thousands of years. You know, whoever's got the most money wins, really. A few of them, you know, get messed up and a few of them disappear and, you know, a few of them walk away from it, you know. But, mate, for the, for the most part, the dickheads at the top of the chain, that's the governments and the power, power brokers, the bankers, you know, the big massive multinationals, they're the ones. But without us, they don't got shit. They got nothing. Really, when you think about it, where do they get their money from? Us, the consumer, us, the taxpayer. So we need to take get back some of that balance of control over our lives. That's what we need to do. That's what this podcast is about. Really, it's about just saying, hey, fuck you. I want my shit back. And I don't care if I get taken off of, you know, um, Anchor or whatever. We've got um, uh, Joe, Joe Rogan, um, you know, he I think he's on Spotify. They paid him a lot of money <coughs> to move his, um, to move from platform, platform that he was using to Spotify. I think I podcasted on that a few months back when it first kind of, you know, was out there. So, you know, and he's he's interviewing people that are talking about what's going on, you know, and they're being shut down. Everyone from, you know, the, the science people that are involved in the whole scamdemic or plandemic to, um, you know, other people that are... Uh, have opinions about, um, you know, the political side of it. So, yeah, just wake up yourselves, people. And I, I, I was from day one, like, when all this first started coming out, somebody shared something with me, you know, um, from two Americans that both come from other parts of the world but have made a life as professionals in America and do quite well for themselves, but... Their um, narrative was not popular at the time. They were silenced, um, and their stuff was taken down. And but they kept, you know, putting it back out there. And um, they they were pretty accurate with what they were saying, you know, about the financial position of the world and those that are resisting the Great Reset, um, because that's kind of what's happening. And whether it was deliberate because the, the virus was created in a lab and released deliberately as a tool to, um, you know, 
to wage that war whether you know that uh, how accurate that is I'm still not sure but yeah it's if you think about it you know yeah it's just just don't don't sit on your hands don't you know look beyond that sheeple mentality and think about what we're setting ourselves up for and future generations you know and have a look at um, the resistance of, of of the common people in, in history and you know what was achieved I mean you, you, they talk about World War 2 being about other things as well and always these wars are <coughs> may not start out as a um as a, and then this isn't conspiracy theory shit either. Like that, that is really um, the sheeple mentality as well. Those people really just, you know, go with that because it's easy. Oh, it's your conspiracy. No, no. Just have a look at what's going on and think about how the structure of the world and how they maintain that and how they have maintained it. And how they have to reset shit. Like, if you've heard some of the stuff that I've listened to over the last week or two, then, and if your lateral part of your mind is willing to, you know, entertain some of the information that's been um, broadcast, then you would um, have a, a totally different... Um, view and or appreciate other things that are happening, not that we appreciate them, you know, as anything that's good for us, but just appreciating, you know, um, the lateral side or aspect of what, you know, is happening and it's just ridiculous. So, stand up. Um, otherwise, you know, we will always be, you know, under the thumb. More. More. They got more control than they've ever had. And we were never out of control. So, but, you know, when you get into people's heads for an extended period of time um, other things happen you know like they can like, like Australian government implemented new surveillance laws for the federal federal you know for the the top echelon of um, of the you know our enforcement um, uh, departments you know I don't know ACO federal cops um, you know, state, I'm not sure at what level, but I heard some um, politician saying, like, they didn't even get to look at the bill before it was passed. They didn't even get a chance to look at it. And all this has been going on while we've been extremely distracted with all the other bullshit that they've been, you know, feeding us. So now the coppers, at whatever level, 
whether it's ASIO, whether it's federal cops, whether it's state, they can look at your shit, get into your shit, check your social stuff out, emails, whatever, without any permission from anyone. They can just do it if they want. That's massive um, breach of of um, you know our our rights. It, you know, like really. So, and here are all the sheep all going. Oh, just do what you're told. Get the get the the, the booster shot. Get, and some organisations um, are, are doing it because, like. You know, that's what they're being told. You know, you know, you gotta. You, this is what your people need to do, and they're doing it because they want to survive. You know, in their industry, whatever. But for me, mate, even if it's mandated, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna be very reluctant. Like, but I like my job, and you know, I'm in a position where, and and the people know this. The power brokers know this. You know, um. Oh, they won't want to get another job, and but I know people who have. I know people who have left their careers of thirty years because they didn't want to get the vaccine. So you know, they don't want to mess up their um, their um, you know, what do you call it? They didn't want to mess up their um, their immune system, you know, and the ability that the immune system has to do certain things for itself. So, yeah, just wake up yourselves, people, really. Like, I don't know, you know, one or two people might listen to this, so it don't matter now how, right? All I can say is feck petrol too. Got like V-Power, which is like the top, top, you know, top shelf fuel, $2.01 over here, and a dollar seventy nine for just, like, the stuff that I put in my car, that's just, just shit, and it was only just, like, a couple, so it's gone up 30 cents, it was only a couple of weeks ago, you were getting it for under a dollar fifty, uh, so, but, you know, that's what we're going to do, you know, they make, they make the rules, you know, they dictate what we pay for shit. They dictate where we can go. When that's not, that's not what we pay them for. That's not what we pay these people for. And look, that 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 govern us. Remember, though, the people at the top that are running around in their ten million dollar yachts, you know, living in their fancy ass, um, you know, houses and living their lavish lifestyles. We pay for that as well. Well, the shit that we we buy, the electricity we pay for, the fuel we pay for. The food we pay for, you know, the cars we buy, you know, all that stuff. Every, just think about everyday essentials, right? All that stuff, right? Um, and and then the government, the taxes they take off of us, you know, and other fees and charges that we have to pay the bastards, right? We're, they work for, they all work for us, or they all rely on us. So, snap out of it. Oh, what's my... The other one. One more rant, I think. I would call it a rant. To be honest. It's more like just, um... You know, 
splash your face with some cold water, have a look in the mirror and ask yourself the question. And ask the question, the same question of the person standing next to you. You know, some people just don't want to have an opinion because they don't like confrontation. They don't want to get involved. <laughs> They're the problem too. They're the ones. They're the people. They're the we're the sheeple. All right. Imagine all the sheeple living life in peace. You may say I'm a flat earther, but I'm not the only one. <laughs> I hope someday you'll join us and the world can get back some of what it deserves. You know, like really, just wake up to yourselves, people. Switch on, wake up, snap out of it. That's something that we used to say in the army to the um, idiots, to the dumbasses. Wake up, switch on, snap out of it. You know? Uh, that's what we need to do. So, in the, my quest for looking for cheap-ass petrol today, and um, I should have went over near where I live, because it's, I think it was a sixty-nine, so it's still like 10 cent cheaper than over here. And when you're filling up your tank, 10 litres, that's a dollar. So if you're putting 50 litres in, that's five bucks. But if you're going to drive somewhere where it's five dollars, it's going to cost you five bucks to get there. Then you just put the dollar seventy nine in, right? <laughs> Work it out. Like the guy that I spoke to, who said, "Oh, you get more kilometres out of the expensive fuel." And I was like, oh, "No, you don't, because you're paying like another twenty or thirty cent a litre for it. And if it's giving you another five or ten kilometres, you know more. Well, it's, you know, you, well, you're using five or." 10, 10 litres less, you're not getting extra because it's exactly the same. The only benefit may be is that it's um, the fuel is um, cleaning your fuel system in your car, but other than that, it's, it's not cheaper to run, but it's a marketing thing because we're so stupid, humanity. We are dumb, eh? That's, that's what has become more apparent, more obvious than... Um, than, than most things, you know, that like, the most washed thing, you know, over the last two years, we're saying our hands or sanitised, but it's really been the human thought process. And what I've noticed or, you know, identified even more on another level is that humanity is dumb. Dumb. Just like. You know, the majority of the people in the world that we refer to as sheeple are, um, are those people, you know, the sheeple. 95% of the world is sheeple. And, you know, and they're the problem that we're dealing with. So if that's you, then, you know, I'm not sorry, but if that's you, you know, just somebody who just goes, oh, yeah, all right, I'll walk over there and wait for you to give me whatever I need to be given, and um, I'll ask, you know, what, what, what what's next? 
what are we doing next? You know, and that's the problem. And the, the power brokers know that, and that's why they control what they control, or the, the balance of control, you know, how much they control, which is more than what they should be controlling. And they're just squeezing more out of it each time, you know. So, wake up yourselves. Uh, yeah, there's not much, there's not, no way you can paint or sugarcoat, you know, important shit. It needs to be said. And, but most importantly, something needs to be done about it. Alright. Uh, look after yourself and each other. Alright, how cool is the yum? All of the stuff we're seeing on the socials now and um, how there's this group of um, attorneys, lawyers, um, experts in uh, different areas of um, of health, you know, and uh, witnesses, and this is, you know, like, and I, I get it, right, don't believe everything you see or hear or read on on the socials, and that's legit, it's, you know, it is what it is as well, but slowly gaining, gaining momentum is the, um, You know the the, the 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 information, the dialogue, the narrative that was put out there quite some time ago, like a couple of years ago, when all this started going down, and you know what may be behind the um, you know the the real purpose um, for this pandemic in inverted commas. And it's slowly gaining momentum, the um, the truth, you know. Um, so what's going on out there? So there's this group of um, lawyers and other experts and witnesses and that that are about to, um, you know, um, reveal or punch a hole in the... Um, in the reset and, and it's the thing it's been said by many people and not just Bobby Brown from YouTube but like people that are experts in you know like oh, I don't even know what the word or the term is uh, in world events um, you know that are often referred to as conspiracy theorists when the reality of it is these are people that ask questions and uh, observe things, you know, um, on many different angles. Um, so, you know, they're people that we need to, you know, sometimes uh, give, uh, you know, some of our attention to, but often we don't. Um, but I, I, I pretty much stick straight away. And I'm not here to go, oh, I told you so, because, you know, this could all fall into a great big, huge heap. But they said there are going to be four main things that will um, stand out and, um, you know, um, the people involved, you know, 
paranoid, bloody schizophrenia, psychopathic. You know, people, you know, it did all they used all the the the, the terms <laughs> associated with um, you know uh, this type of behaviour. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to you know seeing more on that. But it's ironic how it's all kind of just happening at the same time. You know, like the transport workers, you know, people have, you know, lost a lot of work and there's people that are losing their their livelihoods, their trucks, their houses. You know, there's lots of bad stuff going on and then these elite at the top that could fix it, don't, not doing nothing, just continuing to rake in the money. Because like the, these lawyers said, these are the people that quite literally own everything, everything that we're attached to, everything that, that, you know, we exist, that we rely on to exist, you know, like the governments, they own the governments, and it's been said by many people, you know, it's just, it is what it is, now, you know, if we don't like, I mean, if you want to continue to believe, you know, that, um, you know, I I mean, and it gets scarier because I've had both the jabs and I never wanted to have them because it, we didn't know enough about it at the time. It had been developed. It's only been a year or 18 months, and not even that. And, you know, so it just gets scarier the, the deeper that, you know, we delve into this and the more that's revealed about exactly what's happening. And you know what? The majority of people still deny and you know the claims ignore the facts um yeah and still go with the and I I can know I can name some of those people uh, because people don't want to be made to be look like a fool people I could name most of the people on my Facebook page if you're listening or not will still go nah it's a thing yeah it's a thing of course it's a thing but it's not what they're making it out to be. They just, you know, put the fear into us. And we've all had to comply. Or, you know, there's things that we couldn't do. And, you know, like, say, for me, for instance, and I've admitted my uh, reasons for getting the jab, and I waited right till the last minute, till it was absolutely, if I didn't get it, I couldn't work in the, in the job that I work in. I love my job. I've got a house that I need to pay for, a place that I want to live in, you know, and I've got people that I want to see, so I want to travel. So that's my reason for getting that. But, you know, if it, I don't know. I, I don't feel weird or anything by um, having had it, but according to these lawyers, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. The vaccine hasn't been a good thing, you know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess, but what do you do when you've got psychopathic lunatics, you know, that, you know, rule the world and and because they're the ones that own everything, you know, banks, everything, they own everything. They, um, 
they get to call the shots. And the government, the people that we employ, we already know that they're a bunch of spineless twits. Start with <laughs> politics, hey. You know, there's not very many of them that make my list of people that I find, um, you know, credible with a set of balls or that are admirable. Um, you know, I can count those people on one hand easily. I probably still have a couple of fingers left, <laughs> maybe even a thumb. You know, people that I could name in politics that were, um, you know, had a little bit of credibility. But, you know, yeah, so we already know the politicians, it's nothing but spineless, um, you know, um, school children, you know, the debating team, grubs, the finger-pointing, thumb-sucking, sippy la-las that just want to control shit, and we, we, we pay them, you know, from fees, government charges, and taxes, and all that that they take from us every single day. And then they can't even stand up to the power brokers that own the banks, you know, that own the, all of the fuels, natural resources, and all the other things that, you know, we, we also, we pay for. They get their money from us. They invent things, you know, that will, will you know, so that we'll continue to consume the things that they own and then... They just own us. They just want to own us some more. It's obvious. It's evident. Uh, the, the the evidence is there. Um, momentum is growing, and you know, hopefully, you know, we'll get back some of that bit of that power that 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 we um, deserve because we're the we're the workers, mate. You know, these people. Yeah, okay, they got the money. Most of them were born in it, into it. You know, the, the dynasties. And, you know, you hear about the conspiracy theories of the Rothschilds and, and all those families that have been the mega rich for, you know, hundreds of years. And, you know, they continue to, um, you know, grow and, and, and you know, and or, and or maintain their, their position in society and their wealth. And then the rest of us, we just go along and do what we're supposed to do and, you know, follow the rules, tick the box, do what we've been told to do. So anyway, look out for each other, not at each other. Yeah, look after yourselves, do what you need to do for, for you and your mob. But, but don't, don't, be, don't be fooled, you know, because... Most of us have have been. There's a few few things that I've been fooled on, but the rest of it, I just never bought into it. You know, I'm just going there. They're up to no, they're up to no good again. And you know, it's, uh, it's been exposed for what it is. Alright, Dobre utro. Good morning. Ni hao ma. Apparently, that's just saying good morning to one person or greeting one person. And because um, I, I listened to a couple of Chinese teachers um, 
one or two in particular, one that teaches you bad language, <laughs> which is quite cute, because she's really this. She looks tall for a um, for a Chinese woman, and 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 she wears like quite plain dresses and that, and but like she's pretty. She's just cool, like um, yeah. She teaches like you know, fuck off and. Yeah, so all things like that, it's great. Anyway, there's another one who's a little bit more astute, but fun. They're all fun. The ones that I just kind of just glance and scroll on, you know, like on lives. Um, on TikTok, anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I need to check that out because I can't remember what she said. How to say hello to, like, a collective group. So, um... Um, the Russians, uh, Vladimir Putin, I've been watching some uh, interviews with him on TikTok, which are pretty good, actually, and uh, and in line with pretty much what I've been, um, you know, you don't trust any of them politicians, but, you know, he said there was an agreement made back in the 90s when um, Mikhail Gorbachev was, uh, you know, at the helm, and, and there were... Um, you know, when the, the, the Soviet Union was broken down and, and the wall and all that was sort of like, you know, taken down in between East and West Berlin and all that stuff was going on at NATO, you know, and they made a, a... It was only a verbal agreement, according to this interview, where that NATO wouldn't push any further, you know, toward the boundaries of, of Russia's little buffer zone there. So, you know, like, they just need to... They just need to leave Russia alone. Like, just let them do their thing there. You know, like, really. Like, what's, you know, this, you know, territorial, strategic, um, you know, um, balance thing that everyone seems to, you know, want to get a little bit more of, you know, to, to say, hey, hey, you know, we're really in control, but, you know, whatever, just leave them alone. They're not hurting anyone, in, you know, like, really, just let them, you know, their politics, you know. So, you know, and there's probably other stuff going on behind it, but really, realistically, you know, like, one of the major issues that I've learnt, you know, over the last couple of weeks is the, the NATO um, boundaries, you know, that were supposed to be um, some kind of a gentleman's handshake, really. But anyway... Um, I'm on my way to work and it's 25 degrees Celsius out on a Friday afternoon. I'm in Friday morning. Friday afternoon. Top of the morning to you. So if I had have come out with that first, it would have been sweet. I wouldn't be thinking that it's bloody afternoon. So I feel good. I feel okay, actually. I just purchased a piece of luggage for a holiday I intend to take sometime in the middle of the year. And, you know... The prices that they they charge are like, um, you know, this particular piece was like two hundred and nineteen dollars, and I, I bought it forty percent off, one hundred and thirty-two. And when you feel it and look at it, like it does, it it feels cheap, right? But you want light, you want light and durable, because you know when you you're purchasing your your check-in luggage. You know, 
you want to fit as much into the suitcase as possible. You don't want the suitcase or the luggage piece to be, you know, four, five, six kilo out of the 20 kilos that you've purchased. So this thing I think is under four, but it felt much lighter. Anyway, and it was the deluxe one. So it's got kind of like rose gold um, wheels and handles and, and zipper tags and that on it but like yeah it looks appealing but it feels cheap to carry um and even when you lift the handle but it's all light it's all light stuff and you know what whatever 132 dollars um if i get a couple of you know trips out of it then all good but i could have bought three pieces for that <laughs> Three cheap pieces on like Kogan or, or, or on eBay or something. But I went to Strand Bags and purchased it there because if there's any issues, you can take it back and get like some type of warranty thing, you know, effort, effortlessly. Because if you, 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 you're um, buying an online thing from Kogan or on eBay and that, it's a pain in the bum, you've got to send it back. So some things are worth purchasing, you know, face to face. Or you do the online thing. And then you just do a click and collect, which is what I did. And I've done it a few times there at Strand Bags. And so, so that was all right. So where's, where's this one going? This is this one was going, this segment was going into the episode, um, uh, you know, before all the fun ruined out. I mean, before all the rules ruined out. Fun, jeez, I'm doing everything backwards today. Um, so... I haven't had my coffee, right? So, anyway, I've got six minutes, six and a half minutes of just jabbering on. I still haven't said good morning to everyone. Um, Yama. And um, so, because I probably, I've got a little bit to say about uh, everyone this morning because of what's going on, you know, around the world with all of the protests going on and, and then the people that are fronting up those protests, the speakers, you know, there was one guy going, oh, you know, the Governor General is going to, you know, suck everyone and we're going to have, a, you know, an interim government until we elect one, you know, um, let's have clean elections. And like, it's not going to happen. Like, really, like, okay, I get their, um, you know, where they're coming from and how they've, you know, they're, they're um, up to speed with how things work constitutionally and all that. But um, the government's owned by the elite that are pushing their agenda, the ideology. The media's owned by the elite that are pushing their agenda, the ideology. Don't think that this is a conspiracy theory thing. It isn't. I've, I've said before, the stats do not match what they're squeezing out of us, what they're making us do. The statistics do not justify the means does not justify the behaviour um, or the, the ideology, um, the restrictions, the laws that they're sneakily passing, you know, while we're distracted with a, something shiny. Oh, look, something shiny. You know, really. Um, the, what they're, how they're screwing us doesn't, um, you know, add up when we look at the stats of, of this whole... Um, pandemic in inverted commas bold inverted commas you know neon lights flashing inverted commas just, just 
absolute joke. So, um, and I don't care if people want to call me wacko or think that, you know, I'm, I'm buying into the whole conspiracy theory thing. It's not a conspiracy theory. Have a look at the stats. Have a look at the facts, like beyond the facts that have been fed to us by the bullshit mainstream media. Have a look beyond the facts. And the people that are actually starting to speak out that were kind of more or less silenced, I guess, early in the piece, but they're just, they're fed up. They're conscious. Their conscience, uh, that has got the better of them. And, you know, ethically, um, you know, it's not, it's not right. Um, yeah, so they're, you know, the people that we work for to provide the goods and services that they sell back to us, that we also pay taxes on, fees, charges, and also, you know, what the government get a cut, their cut, so that they're happy, yeah, because, like, they're the ones that are, that, that are, you know, pushing the agenda that's been handed down to them by the people that we work for, but the government work for us, from the fees and charges and taxes that they take from us for goods and services, plus what they take from our wages, but we've been screwed by all of them and squeezed, you just don't get it. People, you just don't get it. And I'm going to publish this one because it hasn't never been any different. It's just now they're trying to squeeze us on another level to implement this ideology of how they want, you know, the world to adjust, you know, financially. And they do it every so often, you know, they introduce some new bullshit policies or use some diversion to you know, distractors while they bend us over and screw us on, on another level. So, you know, wake up to yourselves. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to step up and go down and be a part of the rally. I mean, many of us just can't take the time off to do it, you know, like really, like seriously. You know, the people are caring for sick family members or, you know, they can't, you know, get time off work because... They need, they're playing catch up from when the last lockdown, well, from the lockdowns and from, you know, their reduced hours or that they didn't work at all. I didn't work for like two and a half months. I should be really pissed and angry. I didn't work for two and a half months and I didn't get no Centrelink, no government handout bullshit payments. You know, like, so wake up, wake up, wake up world, you know. But it's going on everywhere, and shit's shit's going down. It's gonna it's getting real. But if 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 we think that <clears throat> the governments of the world are just going to lay down, and you know, um, you know, because you can, well, you know, and, and um, you know, give in to our demands, relent, or you know, become submissive, that's not going to happen, but, you know, you can just see that the protests, you know, the, 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 the narrative is, you know, being peaceful and respectful and all that, and, but the cops are like, you know, making a bit of mischief, um, and then whatever, if there's people being planted in amongst that lot to create other, uh, uh, you know, events or situations or attitudes then so be it but um, you know you can see things turning ugly 
in some of the countries already and I think you know when the people are, are tired of seeing that brutality that has been you know dished out to some of the individuals you know that are trying to break through the line then I think you know things could escalate and eventually we'll see um, you know like full riot police and shit and water cannons and you know they'll go to the next level because they, they've got levels of of um, of you know how they deal with you know the protesters is you know okay we'll just make a line of coppers you know wearing gloves and if you want to wear a bulletproof vest you know or fucking a helmet and a face shield or some shit you know but other than that it's all quite reasonably civil at the moment but you know I think back in the day we got um, people like Martin Luther King who um, Martin Luther King Jr who who um, you know was all for you know like let's just keep it um, civil you know let's not turn to you know the the, the violence that, that, that they hope we will so that then the media can like turn turn it against us on another level and, and sway the you know those people that are borderline will I or won't I you know stand up for my you know liberties human rights the future of um, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Um, so here I am, right? So, yeah, well, this will go under before all of the rules, you know, ruined our fun because uh, while I'm thinking of it, you know, I'm driving along um, Wilf, Wilfred Barrett Drive towards the entrance and um, somebody's just indicated that there might be something um, ahead of me that I may need to be aware of. So... I, I, I was making a podcast the other day about that when I'm driving along Y.E. Road, heading into Y.E. Out of seven cars that approached me before I spotted um, this... Um, the, the first car that flashed me was when was the indication that there was something up ahead. So I started counting after that car. So there was like... Um, seven cars, one out of seven cars indicated that there could be something up ahead that I may need to be aware of, right? And then I came back through there because I went I went there to get petrol and I came back through about five minutes later and that revenue, um, you know, uh, vehicle that was there checking people's speed 23 cars drove past me, right? And I started counting them at a reasonable distance before I could see the vehicle, right? I didn't count from, you know, because I was quite deep into YE. But I counted just before I got to the the road that uh, where the vehicle was sitting. And I still couldn't see it. 23 vehicles and only one car indicated that there was a vehicle ahead that I may be you know need to be aware of how bad's that like come on Australia look after each other that look out for each other not at each other because that where that vehicle was and I've reported on it before um, I was 
made aware of it by Facebook post before I left for work that day, um, or I was going out. I, I, I may have been on my way to work. But, you know, it's not a black spot, a notorious black spot of, of you know, um, statistically a dangerous location. Um, it's a revenue raising opportunity. Why can't you all see that? This is for the Aussies. Now, I, I wouldn't be even calling myself an Aussie with with that attitude that, oh, yeah, I'm not going to just let anybody know that they could be paying a couple hundred dollars too much for doing five or ten kilometres over the speed limit in an area where there's no danger. There's no pedestrians, no houses, no black spot, nothing. It's just a revenue-raising opportunity, all right? Wake up, Australia. Seriously. Honestly. If you're on your mobile phone and driving, then, you know, cop it. Cop what you got got, what, what you got coming to you. But these sneaky dogs, and even they're sneaky, it's, and that is clearly a revenue-raising thing, honestly, because the stats um, are quite low on that. But, I mean, they've they got to get it under control somehow, right, before it does become something that, you know, People are sort of like going, oh, you know, jeez, you know, mobile phone thing. But you know, when you think about it, nearly every human has a mobile phone. <laughs> you know, and even if somebody in the sitting in the seat next to you, you can get into trouble if you're the driver. You know, if they've got a tablet and they're showing you something while you're driving, or have a look at this. You know, so it's every op is you know, every way you look at it. There's an opportunity for them to raise revenue, right? So, just, it's just grubby. But, yeah, I, I think that you shouldn't be messing around with your phone while you're driving. Um, but as for, like, doing five or ten over the speed limit in uh, um, locations where these grubby dogs have set up their revenue-raising vehicles, doing five or ten kilometres over the speed limit in an area that isn't, um, statistically known uh, as a you know a black spot or you know a place where there's lots of ch children passing or pedestrians or um, you know a build up area you know that that's low and then they take the signs away <clears throat> some of those vehicles um, you, can, you can't see the signage on them because it's on the sides only and it's um, you know, not um, a big deal, the signage. So you can't really see it until you're almost on it. And I'm not saying this because I've been stung a couple of times. It's just about us looking out for each other, not at each other. Yeah? It's just un-Australian. Like, really? You know, before all the rules come along and ruined our lives. And as I've said before in this, in this segment... In another epi I mean, in, in in another segment in this episode, that we just need to be looking out for each other, and um, you know, some of the rules are in place to protect us from ourselves and to protect, um, you know, the vulnerable. And fair enough, but a lot of them there are just exploiting, you know, us. We already give enough to these gronks. <clears throat> they already get 
taxes and charges and fees on just about everything. You know, even when you're paying for something online, um, one of their bullshit fees and charges, and, you, and the only way you can pay for it is, um, you know, uh, without a direct debit thing, if it's just a one-off payment for something, it's like with your ATM card, debit card, credit card, they, they whack a fee on that. You know, like, I know that's for the bank, but, like, if they just hit it in the charges and the fees and all that that, that you're already, uh, they're already swatting you with, then you, you wouldn't give it another thought. But when you go and you pay coughing up seven grand or something, some payment that you're making, that's quite significant, and then they go, oh, well, there's another $68 charge on top of that. It's like, really? Really? Yeah, so, you know too much so anyway social distances I don't even know if I've said good morning to everyone how y'all doing America God bless America so there's a lot of shit coming out of America as well with all of those protests and you know people um, having a you know giving Biden the flogging um, Trump still out there um, God love him um, and you know there's a whole heap of other things going on, I'm the president of Canada's half-brother was on there, you know, answering questions to the media about how his brother's a sell-out to the big farmers, they all are, it's just not his brother, but, you know, and he kind of defended him, but, but not, also, you know, um, so, you know, with all of the insanity that's going on, you know, bonjour, guten morgen, bonjour, Canada. Canada is a big one going on right now. New Zealand, Australia, I'm saying it everywhere. I think um, uh, the other countries around the world, um, notably, I think uh, there's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like Italy, Israel, um, there's there's other countries that are like just standing up and just yeah, fist pumping the air and just going, hey, feck you. You know, stay away from our kids. Stop mandating shit. We've all, most of us have had the jab. And then, you know, there's all of the dirty talk about, um, you know, the pharma companies and how the vaccines, you know, aren't safe and, you know, different things that, you know, that we didn't know or that we should know or that we can expect and, and all that. But, yeah, people are fed up and tired, you know, of of a virus that's 0.01% affecting and the vulnerable and then you know they're the ones that already have a, a underlying health conditions um, whether that's chronic or what um, so you know people are like well, you know there's the common flu and the cold that are affecting more people you know like in Australia and I mentioned in a previous uh, segment in this episode uh, the, the stats, I can't remember what months it was between. I think this was from the government's, um, you know, health authority or the government statistic, um, you know, website where they were saying, you know, 880 people, you know, died in one month. And in that same period, you know, there was like a, over 1,300 deaths from other things. But when you add it up, you know, in Australia, I think they were saying 160,000 people die a year. 
that's eight that's that's thirteen thousand three hundred a month as opposed to eight hundred and eighty a month from the COVID. So do the math and work out, you know, what they're squeezing us for, um, as opposed to like the numbers. Yeah, yeah, and there'll be people out there going, Oh look at this idiot, not even supposed to turn there. That's not even a turning place. But just come straight out on a uh, the stuff I see when I'm on the road doesn't surprise me why we're in the position that we're in. The dumb heads that exist in humanity, the sheeple, the just the dumb asses, the people that you know you give them four beans. I was watching a, a black adder thing that was um, from the a Victorian period, I think, um, the Tudor period, I think. And Blackadder's like talking to Baldrick and he's teaching him how to count beans. <laughs> and yeah, that's humanity. That is the majority of humanity. Dumb asses. Like really, wake up yourselves. Like really, if, if we don't learn something from this 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 major, you know, tragic, deceitful um, insanity, then we're, we're all fools. You know, wake up to yourselves and um, try and have a good day. If you can't do something good for, you know, try and do something good for somebody who can't do something good for you in return. If you, you know, it doesn't have to be money, food, clothing. It could be just giving them five minutes of your time, acknowledging them, saying good morning. You know, really. Giving somebody a pair of shoes could be any, could be something simple. Offering somebody, you know, a hot meal, just doing something. So, all right, but you know, stand up for your rights. Hold the line. Stand up for your rights. I'm not encouraging riots or revolution. Yeah, revolution, but let's do it respectfully, peacefully and in numbers if you're able to support but you need to really look at what's going on and ask yourself the question right so I'm not sure still if I said good morning to everybody but if I missed you then I apologize but you know um, I really appreciate uh, the people that do take the time to listen to my shit um, it's not always good shit or accurate shit or even in, um, interesting shit. <laughs> Sometimes it's just, it is what it is. Just whatever's bouncing around in my head shit. Uh, okay, well, be, be kind to yourself and um, each other.